The Connected Families podcast has been such a blessing to my family. My name is Lissa. My husband Jonathan and I have two kids through adoption and one through foster care. Our house is loud and crazy, full of laughter, some fighting, and a lot of love. You can often find us building obstacle courses in the basement or having a dance party. I hope you enjoy today's program. Hey, everybody. This is Stacey Bellward, the host of the Connected Families podcast. Welcome to the community. We are people committed to pursuing God's grace and truth for ourselves and then daily working to pass that grace and truth on to our children. I'm so glad that you are here today. Can't wait to talk about family meetings. That's what our episode today is all about. Now, before you get all antsy, we're going to break it down, get really practical and very doable with ideas for kids of all ages. You know, meetings are about growing responsibility and growing wisdom. I love this topic so much that I wrote with my colleague here at Connected Families, Chad Hangay. We together wrote a whole online course called The Power of Questions. And this month, the month of June, we have a special campaign going on that's called Name Your Own Price. You get to decide the price that you want to pay to take the course. It might be $15,25,55 or maybe $1,000 to support the work that we do here at Connected Families. Well, all the information for the Name Your Own Price campaign is in the show notes. Go check it out as we get started today. I know you want less arguing and more wisdom, especially right around chores, responsibilities, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay, well, my guests today are not strangers of the Connected Families podcast. Corey and Alan Thetford have been on the podcast in the in the past. They are Connected Families parent coaches and also part of the staff team who are training parent coaches here. Corey and Alan have four kids and live in Texas. Hi, Corey and Alan. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Stacy. Thank you. Hey, great to be back. Thanks, Stacy. It is. It's great to have you guys here. I'm so glad. Well, hey, one quick question. When was your last family meeting? Ooh, our last family meeting was on Sunday night. Ooh, hey, that's awesome. That's just a few days ago. You'll be proud of me. I just called a family meeting for my crew this coming Friday night. So we don't have a regularly set time, but I can't wait. I'm going to share a little bit more about that in the podcast. Well, you guys, let's get started. You know, in our podcast today, we are going to talk about the four steps of having a meeting with one child or the whole family. But before we do that, let's start the podcast by asking why family meetings. I know you guys are passionate about them. I sure am too. I've loved them raising my kids, but I know that that term family meeting can feel really formal. Yeah. A a family meeting makes me think of a dad sitting at the kitchen table with a a gavel and banging the gavel and calling the family to order. This meeting is now in session. And listen to your father. Yeah. yeah. And that feels awful, doesn't it? And and it, that is not what family meetings were like for me. I don't think they are for you either. Yeah. So we actually don't call ours family meetings. We call them fantastic family fun night. 
And we are going to get into how important fun is to have with our family fun nights and our meetings. And I just want to say right off the bat too, it sounds like you gather everyone, but I've had little meetings next to the counter in the kitchen with one child. And you can do a lot of what we're going to talk about today. Lots of ways to connect with your kids to grow responsibility And that actually is one of the reasons why we are so passionate about family meetings is because they do grow responsibility. Do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, I think that, you know, when you first hear family meeting, you think about like, okay, we got a list of issues we need to solve. And I'm really kind of anxious as a parent. I want to make sure that I can feel more in control and I need to get my kids to get their stuff figured out. And so often the trap that we fall into is nagging. You know, parents will say, I can't get my kids to do anything unless I nag them. But Uh there is another way. I think family meetings, you know, are really a proactive way to work on stuff and like team problem solving together because nagging actually will not produce the responsibility that we're hoping for. I think it kind of produces the opposite, makes our kids dependent on on our request or Mm -hmm. our nag to mm-hmm. get them into action. That's right. I think it makes kids think, well, my mom will take care of it. She'll make sure it gets done, even if it's nagging. I agree. You mentioned the word teamwork. I love that. We talk all about it in the online course, The Power of Questions. So I would say that another reason that we really believe in family meetings is because it is about teamwork. Say more about that, Alan. Yeah, just as members of the Thetford family team, issues come up that need to be resolved. And we can bring those issues to the meeting and have a predictable, safe place where everybody can feel heard and cared for. And we can make decisions that are big and decisions that are small. And and it's kind of all under this this umbrella of a bigger vision. And and it's a practice time. It's not game time. Mm -hmm. So our our decisions don't have to be reactive. We're kind of planning ahead, just like you would in in practice. So that Mm -hmm. when game time does happen, we know what the plan is. Yeah. Yeah. That analogy was really helpful to me. I'm not a big sports person. Surprise, surprise for people who know me, (laughs) but practice time and game time. I know enough about sports to know the coach, you know, isn't calling the plays whenever it's here. Correct me, Alan. The the coach doesn't call timeout and have the team go off to the side and do drills in the middle of the game. Once it's game time, they're running the plays. The time to do drills and to practice is during practice outside of game time. So what I've heard you say is we're problem solving. We're using family meetings to problem solve, but to be intentional about what's coming. Or, I mean, maybe we've seen a problem in the past that we now want to practice when it's not game time so that we don't have that problem again in the future. And we want to do that with a team mentality. Like, hey, we're all in this together. We can solve this problem like team Thetford for me, team Bellward, you know, we'll, we'll get at this. And um, that's why I love it. The reason that I called our family meeting this Friday is because I have one girl that just came back from college and the second is graduating from high school. So I knew dynamics have just completely changed in my house. My younger daughter was really enjoying having their shared bathroom to herself for the year. And now the older one is coming back and I'm thinking about their ideas around how they're going to contribute to the family might be different. And so I wanted 
a family meeting where we're going to get ahead of those problems. And one of the things that I ask them to do is to think about that. Like, what could be the issues that we might experience this coming summer? And let's make a plan for those. So that's another reason for family meetings. I think, let's see, another one would be just to cast a vision. And I know you guys take that really seriously. Yeah. So we love the analogy of if you're on a if you're on a ship and you're trying to sail in a straight line, you can't sail in a straight line just by looking down at a compass or by looking at the water going by. You have to look out in the distance and sail towards something. And so that's what our our family vision is. We've got something out in front of us that we're all pointing toward. As parents, we're the leaders of our team. We're the captains of of our ship that God has put together. And so we just, we keep pointing back to that vision of the Thetford family. And we often ask the question, if we were the best Thetford family we could be, what would we be doing? And each family meeting is an opportunity to give our kids a sense of purpose and and how we're walking in the calling that God has given our family. Can you give a practical example of that? So for instance, we give money to some missionaries around the world. And so when we talk together as a family during a family meeting, we would pray for them and we would talk about, okay, why are we giving money to this person? Or maybe we get invited to give money to another person. And we say, okay, now as a family, we're going to make this decision. What is, what is our vision? Does this align with our vision? That is so powerful. I remember doing that with my kids. I remember when my husband and I had been giving to some different missionaries and we realized we've never talked to our kids about that. And we wanted to pass on that value and vision that we are a generous giving family. We care about international missions. And so we did start including them in those decisions and even gave them a little bit of our tithe money and said, where do you want to give it? You get to choose. And that's not about family meetings, but those conversations happened in family meetings. And that's really good casting vision. We would even ask the question, you know, yes, we're, we're the leaders of the family, right? As parents, but Mm -hmm. you know, we might throw it out to our kids. Why, why would we be spending time with this family this week and helping them see it's not just about like, we want to have the most fun that we can have, but how can we be a blessing as we're going about you know, our weekly activities that we're talking about. So that's another way that we're continuing to bring the vision before our kids while we have these meetings. There's more purpose to how we're spending our time or stewarding our time. Well, that's good. Okay. I know that we have one more reason we really love family meetings, and that is to make decisions together. So you kind of just touched on that a little bit, like how are we deciding which people to spend time with this week? But say more about the make decisions together part. Yeah, well, I think that your example was really great with your kids. You know, you kind of anticipated this thing that might happen in the summer with your college student coming back in the shared bathroom, but it's not us as parents like naming necessarily what the problem is. There's there's a decision that needs to be made together. Sometimes the kids bring them up. Sometimes we bring them up as parents, like the money decision you know, we, are we going to give money to this missionary? Are we going to invite this family over family meetings? Just give ownership so that kids can feel like they're part of the team. They can Mm -hmm. contribute their own ideas. And it doesn't mean that we don't have parental authority or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I've seen over the years that, that this, this point of making decisions has changed and been used in many different ways. So I can remember when one of my girls was invited to the traveling basketball team, which meant 
a lot of money and a lot of time, not just for her, for all of us. And that came to the family meeting where we then literally pulled out the whiteboard. What are the pros? What are the cons? If we're saying yes, what are we saying no to? And that was just a really good, hey, we're all in this as a team. And then what are we going to decide together? Another one was when the girls changed schools. And that was actually a case where they really didn't want to change schools, but we really invited them into that conversation. And then in the end, we did have to make a decision. And it wasn't what one of them wanted, but eventually she came around. So it can be about the big decisions and and the small decisions, but that'll change depending on what they're experiencing and what's coming up. Yeah. We've done it even for something as small as do we buy another fish because our fish died? I mean, that's such a small thing. And we could have easily gone, no, you haven't been taking care of it or sure. But like by throwing it out there and asking, okay, what would be good about this? And what would it take to take care of this? You know, even something so small, they're kind of learning to have that responsibility mindset, asking themselves the questions as they prepare for other decisions too. I absolutely love that because, you know, the bottom line with family meetings is that we want to hold our kids responsible, but we want to do that in a kind and a firm way. And especially in a way that grows wisdom in them so that they are thinking through all of the elements, the pros and the cons and the what's happening and how will it affect us in the future? And so we're on board, aren't we? You guys, we love family meetings for all of this. Well, you guys, just right after the break, we are going to discuss the four steps to holding the meeting. Four steps are mentioned in the power of questions course, which you're going to hear about in just a second. Hey friends, we have an online course that you could start today called The Power of Questions, Less Arguing, More Wisdom. This month, we have a special campaign going on called Name Your Own Price. That's right. For this month only, you determine the price and get full access to the course. We get lots of questions from parents every day. Here's one of them. My four-year-old son struggles to focus. I often find myself Repeating requests like, please go get your jammies on multiple times before I believe that he even heard my request. What can I do to help him hear me sooner and encourage his follow through? Well, we have an answer for this parent. My coworker, Chad Hange, and I are certified coaches. We learned early that asking our kids curious questions instead of telling all the time was a complete game changer. And right, you guys? Telling over and over, go get your jammies on, it gets really, really tiring. Well, hey, the power of questions, less arguing, more wisdom. It's four sessions. And for this month only, name your own price. You can sign up yourself or grab a friend. It's fun to do it as a group. Either way, do it today before the name your own price campaign ends. All the details are in the show notes. All right. Well, we're back after the break and I have Corey and Alan Thetford. They are Connected Families Certified Parent Coaches. They're on our team training new coaches. We have new cohorts starting 
two or three times a year, we've got people all around the world that are willing and ready to coach you if you would like to meet with someone one-on-one. But today on this podcast, we're having a great time talking about family meetings, which is something that the three of us are very passionate about because they have worked so well with our families. Alan and Corey have small kids. Mine are bigger. Have we mentioned how old your kids are, you guys? I don't think so. How old are they? Nine. How old are they? almost seven and almost four and a 10 month old at the moment. Wow. Okay. So they're having questions about, should they get another little goldfish in their little goldfish bowl? Yes. And I'm having questions with my college age kids about how do we set the summer up for success as far as chores and expectations and all of those things. Well, I promised everyone before the break, we are going to talk right now about the four steps to holding a meeting This could be with one child, just one-on-one, or it could be with the whole family. It can be spontaneous. It could be a regularly scheduled time that you have. I'm going to go through the four things. These are out of the Power of Questions course. So I'm going to name them. And then Alan and Corey are going to give a little example of how it plays out in their house. And so here we go. The very first step is number one, bring up the problem. What kind of problems have you brought up? So one problem that we brought up was that we wanted help emptying the dishwasher every morning. So Corey would wake up and it was her responsibility, occasionally my responsibility to uh, empty the dishwasher every morning. And so we wanted the kids to uh, get to contribute a little bit. Yeah. Chip in. We've got an issue with the dishwasher needing to get emptied. So then the second step is set clear expectations, which you kind of already did that, Alan. You were like, we want the kids to be involved. So our expectation was that everybody would help. We're a team and this is something we can do together. Mm -hmm. Love it. So then the third step, invite buy-in to solve the problem. The reason is because we want the kids to own it. We want them to understand the problem so that they can own it. Corey, say something about that. Yeah. We just took a family meeting to bring up the problem, set an expectation that was clear. And then we asked them, okay, how do you think we could solve this? Or who would like to contribute? You know, what ways do you have of divvying this up? How are we going to solve this? What pieces need to happen for all the dishes to be put away every morning? And so how did you solve the problem? Well, actually, this was one of our very first fantastic family fun night issues. So this was back when we had just three kids, a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a baby. Yeah, the six and the three-year-old decided, one of them said, I'll take the top shelf. And one said, I'll take the bottom. And then they said, could you do the silverware, mama? And I was like, sure. And they said, we can't reach, you know, some of the dishes. Can you put those up if we put them in a nice pile for you? It was a lot of me like hearing their ideas. They're called and capable to solve problems and really responsible. So that's kind of how we worked it out. Well, you know, in the course, we also have a few bullet points there because we have some tips of just how to invite buy-in and solve the problem. So there's more there. But the fourth step is then hold your child accountable. And I'm going to put in parentheses in a kind and firm way because you've worked it out. And what has that looked like? Yeah, I was going to say when she said that, it sounded like everything went really smooth and it was perfect. But actually what happened was one of the kids would say, yeah, I don't feel like doing that today. Uh And they just wouldn't. And so uh, during our family meeting, we had said, 
before we can eat as a family, the dishwasher has to be emptied because we've got to use the clean dishes. And so everybody knew if the dishwasher is not empty, we don't get to eat yet. And so often that was enough. But then occasionally there would be times when one of them was just digging in their heels. They were not going to empty the dishwasher. And so in a, in a kind way, we would say, okay, Hey, I can tell that this is, this is hard for you this morning. We all need food. That's going to help our bodies feel better. So I'm going to help you with the dishwasher. And then later today, you can help me with one of my chores. So that way they still had a responsibility, uh, but we were able to move forward as a family without starving. (laughs) Mm. I'm glad you didn't starve. How have you worked out age appropriate chores? We get that question sometimes at connected families. You know, there are actually lists online that circulate, which I think can be a helpful starting place if you just Google it. But yeah. kind of being a student of your own kid, like what do they gravitate toward? What do they seem like they're capable of? And some trial and error. Inviting mm-hmm. them in has been huge for me. My middle daughter, she loves Actually, both of my daughters love to cook, but she just gravitates toward me whenever I'm at the kitchen island. And so today she is six and got out the carrot peeler and was peeling the carrots for everybody. And I chopped them, but that was because we did it together at first. And then I discovered what was age appropriate. So yeah, I think that's part of it too. Just inviting your kids into what you're already doing. And then you can kind of gauge what they're capable of. And also there's a lot of grace to like, let a kid say, I want to do this chore, but then you give it a week and then you've got your next family meeting. And the expectation is we're going to just evaluate next week. How did it go? Mm -hmm. And get curious about it and you can make adaptations. Yeah. That's been huge for us. Part of the reason why we have a family meeting every single week is so that whatever we decide it sticks for a week. And then if we need to revisit, it's okay when one of the girls decides she doesn't like emptying the top shelf of the dishwasher anymore, she wants to switch to the silverware, then she can stick with it until Friday. And then on Sunday, we'll talk about it again. And we're happy to switch things around. In that way, I think one of the things that I used to do is just make the list and they got to choose and they worked together then with the four chores or the five chores that were there and they could choose who does what. And it wasn't up to me to decide they got to decide. So And that was age appropriate because then they pick it. So Mm -hmm. I like that. Another question that people have asked is, is this family devotions or is it different? How would you answer that? For us, our devotional time is different than family meetings, but I do think devotions could happen as part of the family meeting for sure. I think family meetings, how we've been talking about them are more than devotions because there's often more practical issues that we're addressing Or like we talked about making decisions for the family. Who are we giving money to? Who's coming over for a play date this week? Things like that. Who's going to do this chore? That isn't discussed in our devotional time. But I think there's freedom for parents to make this their own. Maybe that's a great time that they want to lump that in and get some Bible time, prayer time. We we often will pray during our family meetings too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, how about you? Yeah. You know, a lot of times it was mixed or if there were just specific you know, issues to solve as a team, family team, we would separate them. So I want to move on to those, some important tips. We're talking about family meetings and probably one of the biggest ones is to be lighthearted and fun because they can get to be a drag and then everyone's complaining. And even the first time you call one, 
there could be some complaints already like, uh Oh, I don't know what's coming. And is, you know, is this going to be like a yell? Am I going to get in trouble? And so we got to start from the beginning that we're not going to let that happen. And so how do you make family meetings fun? I know you already said you call them your fantastic family fun night, which I think is great. Um, what else do you do? Uh, yeah. And I have to give credit to Chad Henge because we stole that from him. <laughs> On staff, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So having fun is really important. One of the ways that we do it is we have uh, a delicious snack to start it off. So that that is fun. Just for our family, food is a winner. Uh, yeah. But then also it keeps mouths busy um, and makes it a little easier to listen while uh, we're talking. Yeah. And I think just playing games together, we often begin with that fun snack and end with a fun game. And that sets up, you know, just this culture of we have fun together as a family and a sense of belonging. You know, everybody's got a place. I think that helps to, you know, just to solidify like family meetings can be fun. Another way to make them fun is actually starting with our mindset about family meetings. You know, if we go into it thinking I've got this big list that has to be accomplished tonight, yeah. <laughs> We're probably going to be pretty disappointed, but if we can go, you know what, this is just establishing a habit for the long run. We can always revisit this. We can get the conversation started and come back to it. Our, our parental attitude has a lot of influence on whether it's fun. For sure. Yeah, that's for sure. I don't think people would think this is fun, but I can remember when we really got into regular, the regular rhythm of family meetings was around middle school for my family. And it was when the calendar had gone nuts. Oh, it was, they were in activities. And for the first time, like I didn't have so much control on the calendar because all of a sudden a coach could just throw in another practice or all of a sudden, you know, the awards banquet is on and you know, all the things. So we knew we needed to coordinate more. And by that point, the girls had laptops for school. So they were using them a lot. So here's what we did. We started a Trello account. That is a free online project management software that I was using for work. And we got a family account and everybody was on it. And the girls would bring their laptops to our family meetings. And they loved it. It just felt so like professional and big girl, you know? And so we had this column in Trello where they had until a certain time, like the day before, where they could contribute to things that they would want us to talk about or deal with. And then when we, we came together, then we would decide, okay, what do we want to cover today in our meeting together? And that was, those were good times. They really, really loved that. I mean, I'm a list maker, so I think that'd be uh -huh. right at my alley. I think a yeah. of my kids might enjoy that too. Well, it was also really good because then when we came to a solution, we wrote it down right there. Okay. This is the agreement. This is what we're deciding, you know, in your case, here's who's going to do the silverware. Who's here's, who's going to do the top shelf and here's, who's going to do the bottom shelf. And here's what will happen if you don't get it done. So then I can just be kind and firm when in case it doesn't get done. So yeah, that was really good. My expectation coming into this weekend's meeting with my girls is going to be that each of them are going to cook one homemade meal a week. And I'm going to ask them to do that. And then of course, invite their buy-in and how, and they get to choose which day and what works for their schedule and all that. But that's what I'm going to do for that. What are some other tips on family meetings? Well, I think we can just 
offer some encouragement for the youngsters. We've talked about like keeping it predictable. That's really helpful. You know, we usually do once a week, Sunday nights, especially when they're younger. I don't know about when they're older, what you think, Stacey, but for us, keeping it as short as possible because then we're not sorely disappointed Mm -hmm. when chaos ensues. Yeah. And it's just, it's good to just be consistent and keep it short and leave them wanting more. Yeah. You're not in the stage where you have kids who have laptops and they can pull that out and work on the weekly calendars. And I have heard you say that you have a regularly scheduled time on Sunday nights. You've mentioned that. So why don't you guys just walk us through what that time looks like? So we all look forward to it as a family. We love Fantastic Family Fun Night. In fact, our three-year-old asks just about every single night, is it Fantastic Family Fun Night? Uh, so we all love it. We start off, we eat supper on Sunday night together. And then, so we have a fun snack and the kids look forward to that. And then while they're eating, Corey goes over our calendar for the week, just so that the kids kind of know what to expect. If there's any play dates, if anybody's coming over, you know, just kind of a, a general overview of what to expect. Yeah. And there's time for them to kind of give some input on that too. And Alan and I even use it. We're we're busy parents, so we don't always have time to have another meeting on top of this. So sometimes we'll quickly coordinate our schedules as well between oh, the two of yeah. us. Yep. And then next is our practice time. And so we, we keep it really short, but this is where we deal with uh, issues. If we have any issues to resolve, or if there's something that Corey and I have noticed that as a family, we need to practice. We use this time also for praying, like we already mentioned, and, and we pick one of those things. We don't do all of those every single time. We just pick one and that's that's the practice time for that night. Yeah. One of my favorite practice times that we've had is anticipating Christmas and gift giving. Man, we just made it fun. We just kind of said, hey, we're going to practice different responses we could give when somebody gives us a gift. And we might, I think we've talked about some of the more serious things like, why might people give gifts? Why do you think people give us gifts? Those are important questions too. Yeah. My favorite was when we kind of played out, okay, let's pretend that the gift isn't your favorite and let's think about what that might be like. And even imagining a certain family member giving that and acting it out. And we took turns acting it out. There was laughter, but there was also some lessons learned about, okay, let's, let's kind of think about that. How would that person feel if you, if they give you this gift, like Alan, I don't, you want to chime in with kind of the fun questions we asked? Yeah. I think we started off just to make it fun and silly. We said, okay, let's say you get a sweater that's too small for you. How do you want to react? And then, you know, we were all dramatic. Oh man, this isn't what I wanted. And then, uh, but we, yeah, we asked the question, what do you think the person that's giving that to you, what do you think they want to see you? How do, how do you think they want to see you react? What do you think they they mean by giving you that gift? How can you respond in a true way while also being kind? Right. Mm-hmm. That took some role play. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this and then good, just to make good it, stuff. Just to make it even sillier, you know, kicking it up a notch. What would you do if you received a piece of moldy bread in your present? <laughs> just to be silly and, and totally yeah, outlandish. Yeah. They get to kind of get all that out, you know? Oh no, this isn't what I wanted at all. I love it. What I'm hearing is lighthearted. 
and fun. But I'm guessing that you had maybe the family member that might give funny gifts. And so you were kind of anticipating a problem or anticipating what could happen. And I really love that because that just shows the intentionality that I think is undergirding this whole idea of family meetings, whether it's you know, interactions at Christmas and receiving gifts, or it's a daughter coming home from college and thinking the bathroom might be a sticky issue, or just even, you know, cooking and cleaning and who does what might be an issue. And so we're getting ahead of these things and having a family meeting so that we can set expectations, make a plan as a family, because we're a team and just get ahead of it. Yeah. Just be proactive instead of reactive. Oh, that's good. We want to be proactive instead of reactive. And we can still be reactive in a family meeting in a, in a setting where, you know, we're going to come together and we're going to problem solve, but we don't need to be reactive in the midst of it. Right. And right. I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. That's good. Yeah. One more thing that I want to say about when we do our meetings, um, we always end with a game. So even if we're short on time, We prioritize the connection over this practice time, like the snack and the game, because we know we'll have another opportunity next week. But you know what's interesting about game playing is you actually learn a whole bunch of skills and character qualities while you're playing a game. Things like flexibility, conflict resolution skills, resiliency, waiting patiently, following instructions, gracious winning. I mean, there's so many things that even through playing a game losing Corey losing yep Yep. respectful losing yep yeah yeah so I think you might think oh I don't want to invite more conflict by you know kids being frustrated about what game got chosen but that's there's an opportunity right there and Mm -hmm. they don't even know that you're trying to learn that or teach that to them Mm -hmm. I love that and it comes into making it fun. But I would say that the last step we said four, I'm going to add five is celebration. So, Hey, we've said it, we've said it in the past. We are a team. Like let's high five each other. I love that you talk about snacks. We often ended with a snack Mm. because we just wanted that dopamine at the end. It was like, woohoo. Like we solved this. We did good today. We worked together. We were mostly respectful, maybe, or all respectful, depending on the meeting, you know, but we got through it and we have a good plan. And if this plan, you know, needs to be changed for next week, that's okay. But we're going to try this one out first. And so I love it. Is there any last comments that you guys would like to add to this topic before we close? I just think it goes a really long way just as the dad for me to be lighthearted. When I get frustrated because people aren't listening or because it's chaotic, it trickles down to the whole family through that family meeting. But when I'm lighthearted and leading the way in that, it it just makes a big difference. So it's hard to do and it requires some work on going on inside of you. But man, just an encouragement for the dads to, to be lighthearted and kind of set the tone for the family. Also an encouragement for busy families, you know, just It's so tempting to think, I don't have time for that. But, you know, this is really building a strong foundation of an identity that we're a family who has fun together. And that's not just for us, the sense of belonging. It's, we are blessed to be a blessing. And so like, what a gift to give your family, um, even if it doesn't look perfect and it's messy and chaotic. 
I think it's really helping to to build a strong family culture of, yeah, we're a family that has fun together and we bless others. Mm, I love that. And for me, um, I really found that it set the table, even just for having harder conversations later, we can have quick problem solving conversations. And I've shown as a parent that I'm open. I'm curious. I really value your input on even this small thing, like how to get a chore done or a little bit bigger thing, like, you know, which missionary we're going to support or how, you know, how much to give them or these things. And when it came to harder, bigger conversations, maybe conversation of what is your value on something or passing on faith, then we had had a long history of being able to walk through those topics together you know, today we are talking about growing responsibility, but I really saw in my family um, teach others that this is setting the table for bigger, deeper conversations also. So on that light note, you guys, yeah, (laughs) what a great conversation that we had today. I love this topic and I'm so glad that I could have the conversation with both you, Alan and Corey. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you, Stacey. It was, it was just a joy. Yeah. Thanks, Stacey. That was really fun. Well, thanks for tuning in today, friends. Be sure to grab the Power of Questions online course now in the month of June, while we are running the Name Your Own Price campaign. All the information for that is in the show notes. Well, we are a listener-supported organization. Over 46,000 parents like you listen to the podcast every month. Individual donations make the work to equip and encourage families possible. For more information about Connected Families, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or go to connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time.